Turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 11. I love the Word of God. How about you? Numbers chapter 11. In fact, many of you are familiar with the giant print God's Word translation that I've got on my table in the foyer area. It's the only personal size giant print Bible. Many of you have it. It is in the bookstore for $100 on my table for $30, but I've got something else, and I've only got one each of these, and I'm holding them in my hand, and I want to tell you about this right here. This right here is not what you see on the overhead. This is actually something that I've got one each of these Bibles right here. This one is called the Names of God Bible. Of course, all of these Bibles are genuine leather. It is the God's Word Translation Bible, but... 46 different names of God, and all through this Bible, it it talks about the names of God and and how they apply to your life and how that uh, uh, the Lord will minister to you in a very personal way uh, uh, and what the names of God mean and and, uh, the background about these names, how to pronounce them and everything else. It is a phenomenal Bible. It's $40. I've got one of these, and I'm holding it in my hand. The other Bible that I've got, and again, I've only got one copy of this Bible. This is called Prayer, uh, Pray the Scriptures Bible. And uh, how many of you know it's important to pray the Word of God? Whenever you're praying, praying the Word of God will help you in your prayer life. This is a phenomenal Bible. Again, uh, uh, both of these are in the bookstore for $100 each. I've got one copy of this. It's only $40. I encourage you to get that as well. And I know that both of those will be a blessing to you and to your family. And it will make a tremendous gift as well for enemies as well as family members. And so I encourage you to get that, and I know that it will be a blessing to you. I do have a limited supply of that God's Word giant print Bible. When they're gone, I've got another limited supply just so that you'll know. Amen? Stand with me in reverence to God for the reading of our text. Don't miss the service tonight. Bring people with you tonight that need to be saved, that need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. If ever, look right here, if ever... The believer needed to be baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That time is right now. I'm telling you that in the the last of these last days, with everything that you're facing in your family, your home, at work, in our nation, in this world, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And it is a free gift. All you have to have is salvation. And if you're saved, God wants you to be full of the Holy Ghost. So I want you to come tonight expecting to be filled. If you're not filled this morning, I'm believing God for you to get filled this morning. Amen. Don't wait for tonight. But just come tonight with an expectancy in your heart for God to move in your life. And I'm believing God tonight for miracle signs and wonders and healing, deliverance, salvation. Come prepared to hear from God and for God to move in a mighty way in your life. Amen. I'd like to see... Twice as many people here tonight, Pastor, as we have here this morning. There's a good crowd here this morning, but I, if everybody in this building would, would uh, uh, bring people with you tonight, then I believe that we could just have standing room only in here, and the power of God is going to flow. Amen? T- today, Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. The people began complaining out loud to the Lord about their troubles. My, 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 we're going somewhere, aren't we? When the Lord heard them, he became angry, and fire from the Lord began to burn among them. Thank God he's merciful. Amen. It destroyed some people on the outskirts of the camp. 
the people cried out to Moses. Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. That place was called Taborah, fire, because fire from the Lord burned among them there. Some foreigners among the Israelites had a strong craving for the other kinds of food. Even the Israelites started crying again and said, If only we had meat to eat. Remember all the free fish that we ate in Egypt and the cucumbers? And it's kind of like we are in, on Sunday morning sitting in church getting hungry and start thinking about all this. And, you know, and it says, uh, uh, if only we had all the free fish that we ate in Egypt and the cucumbers and the watermelons and the leeks and onion. That doesn't really sound all that good, but onions and garlic that we had. But now we've lost our appetite. Everywhere we look, there's nothing but Manna. Now remain standing for just a moment because I'm going to read another text. But I want to give you a quick historical context for this text. Very quickly, listen close. The children of Israel have just received a, 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 just a supernatural magnanimous miracle from God. God has delivered the children of Israel from Egypt and they are en route to the promised land. And they are en route to the place that God has for them. And en route to the place that God has for them, they said, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back into slavery. And here's why they wanted to go back. We just read it. To get some meat, some garlic, some onions, some leeks. Anybody like leeks? This is why they wanted to go back. This has got to be the first Hunger Games right here in the Word of God, if I've ever seen one. How many of you know that there is no meat that is worth going back into slavery over? Isn't it interesting that when God delivers us out of something, we have this inward tendency and propensity to gravitate back to the very thing that he brought us out of? They were sick of the manna, which was the bread that came from heaven. Now look at John chapter 6, verses 30 through 35. Put it up on the overhead, and here's what it says. The people asked him, and I'm reading this from the God's Word translation. What miracle are you going to perform so that we can see it and believe in you? What are you going to do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the desert. Scripture says he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I can guarantee this truth. Moses didn't give you that bread from heaven. Hashtag, y'all don't even know what you're talking about. But my father gives you the true bread from heaven. God's bread is the man who comes from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread all the time. Jesus told them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never become hungry, and whoever believes in me will never become thirsty. I'm going to preach for the next five and a half hours on the subject of the predicament of the process. Turn to the person on your right. Look them right in the face. Get right up in their grill and look at them and say, Neighbor, there is a predicament in the process. Oh, come on. They were stuck up and didn't want to talk to you. Turn to the person on the other side. Say, neighbor, there is a predicament in the process. Remain standing and bow with me for a word of prayer. Father, speak to us through your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. And amen. Thank you. And you may be seated if you plan on coming back tonight. 
I want to begin this morning by telling you that I absolutely, positively love my job. I, be, I believe, brother, I've got the best job in the entire world. I get to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, you don't ever have to worry about me getting frustrated with what I do because what I'm doing right now by preaching the gospel, I was born to do this. I was created to do this. Listen to me. Uh, uh, in fact, if I were to get a telephone call from the White House this morning after church, and they said, you know, Brother Todd, Donald J. Trump changed his mind and decided he did not want to be president. We wanted to find out if you could come and get sworn in on January the 20th. I want you to know that I would be honored and privileged with the, uh, uh, to, to, to become the president of the, of the United States. But you've got to know that to become the president of the United States of America, for me, that would not be a promotion for me. That would be a demotion for me because my boss, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the silver and gold. Heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the creator of the universe. He spoke the worlds into existence. I love my job. I love my boss. And I love to preach. But I want you to know that I've not always had an aspiration to preach. I've not always desired to preach. In fact, when I was a little boy, I actually wanted to be an actor. In my little mind, I thought I looked a lot like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Patrick Swayze combined together. And so I thought, I may as well be an actor like they are. But I've always enjoyed watching movies. And, 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 and in fact, uh, watching movies, are uh, it's catalytic to my creativity. It is often the impetus for my imagination. God actually speaks to me while I'm watching a movie. Now, for those of you that are super spiritual and you breezed in here on cloud nine, whenever I say that God speaks to me while I'm watching movies, you think I'm talking about uh, uh, Bible series or Veggie Tales or the Ten Commandments and movies like that, but that's not the movies I'm talking about. Whenever I watch a movie, my favorite movies are movies that are clean suspense thrillers. I love to watch a suspense thriller. My wife will tell you, listen, forget the romance, forget the comedy, give me a suspense thriller. Whenever I'm watching a movie, I want my heart to be beating out of my chest while I'm watching that movie. I want to, the sweat to be rolling down off of my face. In fact, I, I want to be pacing back and forth across the floor. I want the scenes to be so intense that I'm speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Because whenever I watch a suspense thriller, I, I, I stand on the scriptural premise that you've got to rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. I don't watch movies like some of you come to church on Sunday morning. Some of you will come in and you'll fold your arms, you'll cross your legs, you'll sit there with the look on your face like, well, bless me if you can, preacher. Every now and then you might hear them say, amen. Kind of like a spectator. Oh, no, that's not how. You know, whenever I watch a movie, I, I sit on the edge of my chair. It's better for me not to even go to the movie house to watch a movie because I would probably be kicked out of the movie theater for, for watching what I would do whenever I'm watching a suspense thriller. Here's me while I'm watching a suspense thriller. I'm like this. Oh no, she is going back in that house. I can't believe she's going back in that house. Doesn't she hear the music? Doesn't she know she is going to die? And, and by the end of the movie, I, I'm sitting in a pool of sweat in the couch and, 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 I, and my heart's beating fast and Angie will come running into the room and she'll be like, what's wrong? Is everything okay? And I'll say, oh yeah, everything's fine, but I just watched the best movie. She'll say, was it romantic? I said, well, in kind of a suspenseful way, it, it had some romance in it. And she'd be like, will you watch it again with me? I said, sure, I'll pop the popcorn. So here we Now, you've got to understand that Angie watching the suspense thriller is like me times ten. Here we go watching the same movie. I'm watching it the second time. Here goes Angie. Oh, no. 
Oh no, she is going back in that house. She is going to die. Does she die? Don't tell me, don't tell me. She is going to die. And you know what I'm doing? While she's going off, I'm saying, will you just settle down? It's not that big of a deal. It's just a movie. And she's like, of course you can say that. You've already seen how the story is going to end. Now, isn't it interesting that the second time that I watched that movie, Angie and I could be sitting on the same couch, watching the same movie, eating the same popcorn, watching the same events transpire and unfold, and yet we have two completely different attitudes. I am at total peace, and she is in total panic. And my peace is predicated on the fact that I know how the story is going to end. Let me tell you something, friend. I share that illustration with you this morning as an appetizer to accentuate the frustration that comes with walking with God sometimes. Because how many of you know sometimes life can be like a suspense thriller? Oh, I should have got some amens right there. You, you may say, oh no, Brother Todd, my life is more like a romantic comedy. Just keep on living, okay? Because how many of you know that life has a way of, 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 uh, uh, unfolding uh, with some scenes that will, that, that will cause your heart to be out of your chest. And it will cause the sweat to come rolling down off of your face. It will cause you to pace back and forth across the floor saying, oh God, I feel like I'm gonna die. Don't you see what's going on in my life, Lord? Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like God in the middle of your situation, that God is on his cosmic couch in heaven looking down at you and saying, would you just settle down a little bit? It's not that big of a deal. Everything's going to be okay. And you're looking up saying, God, of course you can say everything's going to be okay because you're all powerful, all knowing, infinite with all understanding. And God, you know how the story is going to end. But friend, you and I know how the story is going to end too. We know that in the end, we're going to win. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. We know that we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory because if you're saved, you know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus has already won this battle. But the problem is when you're in the process of it. It's when you're in the middle of the situation and you're crying out saying, Oh God, How in the world am I going to make it through this situation that I'm going through in my family right now? How many of you know what I'm talking about? And some of you sitting here, you're at that place right now. You're at that place where you're in the predicament of the process of being in the middle of the mess. Watch this. I don't really need faith, Pastor, for a powerful start. I don't need faith for a happy ending. I need faith for the messed up middle. I need faith when I'm in the middle of a situation and I'm saying, God, if you're so good, then why is everything in my life and in my family going so crazy? And this is the tenor of my text this morning. This is exactly where the children of Israel were. You see, they God had delivered them out of Egyptian bondage. They're en route to the promised land, and yet they're frustrated because they're stuck right in the middle. And I love this text. I love this story because it all starts in Exodus chapter 14. If you're born again in this place this morning, you need to read Exodus 14 again and again because it is one of the clearest biblical pictures of what happens when a person gets saved. You see, the children of Israel, are, are, are they've been delivered out of Egypt. They're en route to the promised land and they're frustrated because they're stuck right in the middle. 
It's got to be the clearest biblical picture of what happens when a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ. You ought to read that story again and again and again and again. If you don't like to read, just watch the movie. You can go old school with Charlton Heston and the Ten Commandments, or you can go new school with the Bible series. But here's all you have to watch. Watch them, watch the children of Israel walk across the Red Sea and then rewind it. Watch them walk across the Red Sea and then rewind it again. Watch them walk across the Red Sea and then rewind it. Be careful and close your eyes when you rewind it because you don't want to see anybody backslide. It'll be on you. But, but it's got to be the clearest biblical picture of what happens when a person gets saved. Watch this. For 400 years they're in Egyptian bondage. That's a long time. 400 years they're in slavery. And then in one night, one night, God brought them from being slaved to being saved. In one night, God brought them from being in total Egyptian bondage to being totally set free. In one night, God brought the children of Israel complete victory. After 400 years, God brought the children of Israel victory. In one night, look here. How dare you come in here this morning bellyaching and complaining about how long you've been in the situation that you're in right now. Has it been 400 years? How many of you know that no matter what you're going through right now, there is no, there is no situation that is so big, there is no stronghold that is so strong that God can bring you the victory in, God brought the children of Israel the victory in one night. Now, for all purposes of clarity, As critical thinkers, you have to stop and ask yourself this question. What was the cause agent, the catalyst, the impetus for the salvation of the children of Israel as they stood at the Red Sea? I would tell you, first of all, their salvation at the Red Sea had nothing to do with with their morality. It's not like God came down, Pastor, with the Ten Commandments and held them up and said, Okay, now if you'll hold, if you'll keep these Ten Commandments, then I'll, I'll, I'll part the Red Sea and I'll split the Red Sea. But if you don't keep these Ten Commandments, then you're all gonna drown. It had nothing to do with their morality. It had absolutely nothing to do with their morality. I, I would tell you, I would argue it had nothing to do with their level of faith. Because how many of you know that with more than three million people crossing over the Red Sea, there were a lot of different levels of faith. There had to be some people that had a high level of faith. They were like, hallelujah. Hey, I knew it was just going to be a matter of time and God was going to part the Red Sea. I told y'all he had some sovereign swag. Praise the Lord. I knew he was going to give us the victory and we made it through. Hallelujah. There were people with a high level of faith. But don't you know there were people that didn't have any faith at all that were scared to death? They're, 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 they're biting their fingernails. They're like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to, I don't know how to swim. Moses, you better keep your arms up. If you don't, that water's going to come on, come in on top of us and we're all going to die. It had nothing to do with their morality. It had nothing to do with their level of faith. Why did God save the children of Israel? Watch this. They were crying out to a God that they'd heard about, but had not yet experienced. So God saved them not because of their deeds, but because of their need. God saved them, not because of their deeds, but because of their needs. So if you're in here this morning, and you've got a need in your life, raise your hand. You ought to give God some crazy praise, because that means that you're a prime candidate for God to work on your behalf. God gave the children of Israel victory, because they cried out to a God that could work on their behalf. Give the Lord a big hand of praise. 
I hope you're not bored yet. Okay, I want everybody in this building, move your arms back and forth like this. Some of you have been sitting so still, I'm afraid your circulation is going to get cut off. Amen. I know I'm preaching from the Old Testament, but you've got to understand, for those of you who are, are, are students of the Word, you realize that the Old Testament is simply a shadow of that which Christ is the reality. How many of you know that uh, whenever my, my shadow, how many of you can see my shadow up here on this platform? How many of you can see my shadow? How many of you know my shadow's got to do what I do? If I lift my arm, my shadow's got to lift, lift its arm. If I begin to jump, my shadow's got to begin to jump, right? If I begin to jump like this and my shadow just stands here like this, you better find you another preacher. I'm going to be out of here. I'll be dropping this microphone. I'll be running out of here. <laughs> my shadow has got to do what I do. My shadow is proof positive of two things. Number one, I am real. I'm not a ghost preaching up in here this morning. And number two, that there is light in the room. And when Jesus stood in the light of who he was, he cast a shadow which was simply the Old Testament. The Old Testament is simply a shadow of that which Christ is the reality. And when you look at my, when you look at my shadow, how many of you know that you cannot see my distinctive features in my shadow? You can't see my distinct, you cannot look at my shadow and, and know what color my skin is. You can't look at my shadow and know the color of my eyes. You know why? Because it's a shadow. That's why when you read the Old Testament, there are certain characters that are simply a preview of the coming attraction. They are not Christ, but they are a, a, they are a preview of what Christ is going to do when he steps up on the scene. So watch this. When you see my shadow, so, so with that in mind, realize this. When you read the Old Testament and you see this story, you realize that the, the, uh, uh, and that, that the Old Testament is simply a shadow of that which Christ is the reality. You've got to understand that the children of Israel become a shadow of the church. Moses becomes a shadow of Christ because he was born for no other reason than to bring liberation, deliverance, and freedom, and salvation. Uh, 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 Pharaoh is, becomes a shadow of Satan. Egypt becomes a shadow of sin, which is why uh, Pharaoh was so determined to keep the children of Israel in Egypt. Are you with me this morning? The Old Testament is simply a shadow of that which Christ is the reality. When you see in the Old Testament the, the Passover lamb, bah, you see that, that lamb, that innocent lamb, and, and that innocent lamb is killed, and, and, and the blood of that innocent lamb is sprinkled on, on the wooden doorpost that is simply a shadow of another lamb that is going to be killed. But that lamb, his blood is not going to be sprinkled on the, on a wooden doorpost. His blood is going to be sprinkled over the, over the old rugged, over a wooden cross. How many of you know that Death has to pass over your life when it sees the blood of Jesus Christ. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. Because the Old Testament is simply a shadow of that which Christ is the reality. When you see the Red Sea that the children of Israel are crossing over, that is simply a shadow of water baptism. How many of you know that whenever you are water baptized, if you've given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to be water baptized. I, I was tickled to death when I saw these three young men, whenever they got baptized, they were ready, after they finished, Pastor, they were going to go back and sit down in their chairs instead of changing clothes. I thought, hey, that's good enough for me, amen? amen. But you see, whenever you are baptized in water, hear me, it has absolutely nothing to do with your salvation. 
It has everything to do with your obedience to Jesus Christ. Here's how it works. Whenever you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, whenever you're water baptized, and you do need to be water baptized, whenever you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, once you've been saved, you need to give your, uh, you need to be baptized in water. Here's what it symbolizes. When you go down into that water, it's symbolic of you coming out of Egypt and coming out of the sin in your life. When you come up out of the water, it is symbolic uh, of, of, uh, you giving your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and your sins being washed away and you coming into the purpose, the destiny, the assignment that God has for you. If that doesn't light your fire, then your wood's too wet. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise. So the children of Israel come out of Egyptian bondage. They cross over the Red Sea. Pharaoh sends all of his men and all of his horses down into the water after the Israelites, the children of Israel. And immediately the water comes in on top of all of Pharaoh's army and every one of them drown. And and when they all drown, when all of Pharaoh's army drown, I want you to know that on the on the shore on the other side, once the Israelites made it to the other side, they began to go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. They began to praise and glorify and magnify God. That's how I can always tell when I'm around somebody who's been set free from something and and, 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 and has been, the bondages have been taken off of them because somebody pastor who's been set free from something you don't have to coerce them and coach them to come in and worship God you don't have to get up and say now come on I know you can take your two hands and put them together and give the Lord a hand clap of praise I know you can open your big mouth and say amen and praise the Lord and hallelujah out loud I know that you can take your arms and lift your arm to the Lord and magnify him oh no somebody who's been set free from something all they've got to do is get a flashback of what they could have been and what they would have been if it had not been for the grace of God, and they will begin to magnify and glorify and worship Him out loud. Hallelujah! So Pharaoh sent all of his men and all of his horses in after the children of Israel. The children of Israel made it safely to the other side. The water came in on top of all of Pharaoh's army. Isn't that something to shout about? Don't you know? That if it would have been today and something like that would have happened on your behalf, what would you have been doing? You'd have been running the aisles and jumping the pews, magnifying God and glorifying God. I bet you somebody probably stood up on a rock, brother, and gave a speech free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I am free at last. Hallelujah. But watch this. Watch this. Once the euphoria of the emancipation had eradicated... That's a fancy way of saying once the thrill and excitement was gone. (laughs) Once the music had stopped. Once the service was over. They were all faced with the critical question that everybody in this building is faced with every time we have an encounter with God. And that is this question right here. Who am I now? I know I've been saved. I'm no longer slaved. But how do I walk in this newfound freedom after being in Egyptian bondage for so many years? Let me put it another way. I know I've been delivered out of Egypt. But now how do I get Egypt delivered out of me? See, that's what a lot of church folk don't want to deal with. The fact that you can be delivered out of Egypt but not have Egypt totally delivered out of you. Let me tell you something. 
Pastor, when you're delivered out of Egypt, but you don't have Egypt delivered out of you, it's frustrating. Makes you mad. Sometimes it makes you feel like you're schizophrenic. <laughs> because you know that you've had an encounter with God. You know that, that you've been set free. But you've still got some Egypt behavior. You've still got some Egypt mindset. So the challenge becomes not just, God, I need to be delivered out of Egypt. But the challenge then becomes, God, how do I get Egypt delivered out of me? Let me tell you something. That's what a lot of people don't understand about Christianity. Listen carefully to what I say right here. Christianity is initially a change of status more than it is a change of behavior. Let me say that again. Christianity is initially a change of status more than it is a change of behavior. You see, when the children of Israel were delivered out of Egyptian bondage by God, instantly their status changed. But then the challenge became for the children of Israel, how do I get my behavior to come into alignment with my new status? And this is the question, the challenge that you and I are faced with every day that we walk the face of the earth. It's God, how do I get my behavior to come into alignment with the new status that I procured as a result of the work that you did when you died on the cross? Look here. It is a process. I hope you're getting this this morning. I, I'm preaching you some really good stuff here. It is a process. And God sent me by here this morning to Sanctuary Family Worship Center to tell you, some of you sitting here right now, look here, don't give up on the process. Don't give up on the process. God is molding you. God is making you. God is forming you. He is shaping you into what He wants you to be. And if you will just trust God in the middle of the process that you're going through right now in your family, your home, your finances, your physical body, whatever area that the devil is attacking you, if you will just trust God in the process, then He is going to form you into what He called you to be from before the foundations of the earth. Don't give up in the process. Just keep trusting Him. Let me say it this way. My grandmother, God rest her soul, she's been dead for many, many years. She was a war bride from World War I. She had to learn. She came to America from, from, she was born and raised in Paris, France. She came to America as a war bride in World War I. She had to learn the English language. She did not speak any English at all. But my, my grandmother and my grandfather had 11 children, so I guess they didn't have too much trouble communicating, now did they? And we will, that's all I'll say about that. But when my grandmother came to America, she spoke no English whatsoever. And when she was given the certificate and granted U.S. citizenship, it's not like instantly she started speaking English because she got her, was granted U.S. citizenship. She still didn't speak English, and she still didn't understand the American culture. Her U.S. citizenship certificate had absolutely no bearing whatsoever on her ability to speak English. That was a process. And some of you sitting here this morning, 
the devil has lied to you and got you to begin to question and doubt the validity of your citizenship in the kingdom of God because there are still some areas of your life that you're weak in and you haven't got the victory over. And uh, it's time for you to look the enemy in the face this morning and say, devil, you are a liar. I am still a citizen of the kingdom of God. I'm not perfect, but I'm in the perfecting process. God is still molding me and making me into what he wants me to be. Hear me this morning. If you've given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and you're not living in a pattern of sin, you are a citizen of the kingdom of God and God is still molding you and making you and forming you and shaping you into what he wants you to be. Look here, don't give up in the process. Because here's what happens, Pastor. In the predicament of the process, many times we will begin to question God. We'll say, God, I'm just tired. I'm worn out. I want to give up. I can't keep going. And God sent me by here this morning to tell you, don't give up in the process. Because God is doing a work in your life. The children of Israel, God brought the children of Israel to the wilderness. I thought, that's a tough place to take somebody. I thought, God, why in the world did you bring the children of Israel to the wilderness? How many of you know that's a rough place to take somebody to the wilderness? And because how many of you know there's no life in the wilderness? It's not like anywhere in the book of Genesis, Pastor. It says, let there be wilderness. It's just not there. But I found out that many times God will allow you to go through a wilderness experience. God will allow you to go through through situations. Many times God will remove your resources so that you will find out that He is the only source that you really need. Many times God will allow things to be taken away from you, sir, so that you will realize more than ever that He is the only single thing that you really need. That's why that boyfriend had to break your heart, young lady. That's why that, that boy, maybe why that ex walked out on you. That may be why that God has allowed the devil to attack your finances because God wants you to know He doesn't want, just want to be first in your life. God wants to be your life and there need not be any competition in your life for Jesus Christ. So God brought the children of Israel into the wilderness because he was trying to get Egypt out of them. And even in the wilderness, God performed miracles in their lives. I mean, here, here they were. They were hungry, and God sent Panera bread from heaven. So they ate good. They were thirsty. Moses struck a rock, and Fiji water came forth, and they drank good water. Best water you can drink. And the Bible says that... that as they crossed through the wilderness, that their clothes never wore out. I thought, here they are, Pastor, out in the middle of nowhere, where nobody can even see them, and God still wants them to look fresh and clean. He performed all kinds of miracles. You'd think that every morning these the children of Israel would get up praising God, wouldn't you? I mean, here they had a lot to thank God for. They should have been getting up every morning saying, God, thank you for delivering us out of Egypt. I know things may be tough right now. I'm in a wilderness experience. But Lord, thank you because I know that what you did for us at the Red Sea, when you part of the Red Sea, you're going to move on our behalf again. We thank you for what you did at the Red Sea. Thank you, God, that even though we're here in the middle of the wilderness, that you brought water forth out of that rock and, and you gave us good bread from heaven. God, thank you for all of the miracles and signs and wonders and healing and deliverance and salvation you brought us. They did thank God for a while. But look right here. The Bible says they got up one morning 
They began to bellyache and complain. Let me say that again. They began to bellyache and complain in the middle of their wilderness experience. And they said, we want to go back to Egypt. They said, we want to go back to slavery. What? What in the world would cause the children of Israel to cry out so loud to go back to something that they'd cried out for so long to get out of? I'll tell you what it was. It was the predicament of the process. Because listen to me, catch this. The predicament of the process is going to cause you to want to go back to what is familiar instead of moving forward into the fullness of what God has for you. The predicament of the process will cause you to want to go back to what is what you've always known instead of moving forward in faith into the area that God has for you. And God sent this preacher by here from West Monroe, Louisiana this morning to tell you, don't go back to the familiar. Don't go back to what you've always been comfortable with and what you've always known. God has a powerful thing that he wants to do in and through this church body, Pastor. We don't need to go back to what we've always been used to here at this church body. We need to move forward into higher levels. How many of you want to do that? In the higher levels of what God has for this church body. Don't go back to the familiar. Don't go back to what you've always known or what you're used to. Allow God by the power of His Holy Ghost to bring this church body to a new level. Allow God by the power of the Holy Ghost to bring you personally to a new level in your family, in your home, in the ministries that are that are, are, are being birthed in this in and through this church body. Don't go back to the, the familiar because hear me, your destiny is so much greater than your history. What is in front of you is so much greater than what is behind you. Don't go back to what you've always been used to. In Jesus' name, move forward into everything that God has for you and your family and your home. But the predicament of the process makes us want to stay back and say, no, I'm not really familiar with that. I don't want to move forward. I want to... Stay where I am or to go backwards. Listen to me. Some of you are going through hell on earth right now and you need God to move on your behalf and your family and your home. Hear me this morning. God says, even in the predicament of the process, no matter what you're going through right now, just keep walking. Just keep moving forward in Him. There was a police dog that was trained in high-speed chases He was in the middle of a high-speed chase. He went into a busy intersection chasing a criminal. And an individual that was speeding did not see this dog and slammed on his brakes, but it was too late. This dog was was hit, and, and, and it crushed this dog's legs. Little did they know. And the thing of it is, whenever that dog began to walk then after that accident, that dog would flail her front legs in the front and drag her hind legs from behind flailing her front legs in the front and dragging her hind legs from behind. Little did they know that dog, that police dog, was pregnant with puppies. When the puppies were born, they were absolutely, completely fine. There was not anything at all wrong with those dogs, those puppies. But when they began to walk, guess how they started walking? Just like their mama. They were flailing their front legs in the front and dragging their hind legs from behind. And the veterinarian had the hardest time with these puppies saying, Hello, 
There's nothing wrong with your legs. You're only modeling the dysfunction that was placed in front of you. And the veterinarian began to teach these puppies to walk the way that they'd been designed to walk. To walk the way that they'd been created to walk. To teach these puppies to walk the way that their creator had created them to walk. You're not here this morning just to hear a cute sermon and to sing some songs. You're in the house of God this morning because God is teaching you to walk the way that He created you to walk. No matter what you're going through right now in your life, whenever you come to the house of God and you lift your hands and worship God and magnify Him and glorify Him instead of bellyaching and complaining in the middle of the situation that you're in, when you begin to glorify and magnify God and worship Him, God is teaching you to run the way that He desires for you to run. When you come to the house of God here at Sanctuary Family Worship Center and you hear this man of God preach the Word of God, God is teaching you to walk the way that He created you to walk. And God sent this preacher by here this morning to tell you, allow the Holy Spirit to teach you to run the way that God desires for you to run. Even in the middle of the predicament of the process that you're in right now, God is teaching you. He is forming you. He is molding you. Don't give up in the middle of the battle. Just keep walking. Keep moving forward into the fullness of what God has for you. And God is going to bring you to the place, watch this, that He has already prepared for you and is waiting for you right now. Just keep moving forward in the middle of the situation in the predicament of the process and God is going to bring you into what He has for you and your family and your home. Just keep walking forward. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Open your hearts.